Hello, family, and welcome back to the Explore the Extraordinary podcast. My name is Betty Guadagno, and today I am joined by SJ, and I'm super excited for this conversation. My spirit is like bouncing out of my body. Um, SJ and I share a spiritual community, and she's just a really rad chick, and I'm super excited for her willingness to come and serve our community and share about her spiritual journey, so I'm going to toss it right over to you. Thanks so much. Oh my gosh, I love you. I love you so much, beautiful human Betty. And um, thank you for having me. I'm like so honored. And my like my energy is just like pulsating through my body right now. Um, so yeah, it was nice to talk before and kind of like gather some information. So I'm just gonna like go into the flow of pretending there's like lots of humans here and just share a little bit about myself. So um, you know, my, I think my journey really started at, um, a moment of having this like deep sense of self-actualization when I was younger. And I'm not really sure along the lines of how old I was, but I know that I was probably at least five or six. And I really felt like so separated from all other humans. It was like very, I was so acutely aware that there was just this lack and inability to express myself and connect. And it wasn't to myself or the universe or or being outside because that was my most favorite place to be, but it was just with others around me, my parents, my sisters, not really gravitating towards having friends growing up, going to school. And, um, you know, it, it was a gnawing pain and really not knowing, but knowing now from a lot of, you know, experience and self-awareness I have from doing work on my stuff and, you know, going through journey of journaling and, um, step work and everything like that you know, I really have come to understand that it's fear. And in a lot of ways, humans that I listen to and I aspire to, you know, understand what they understand, even though the soul always knows, I believe the soul always knows. And I really just breathe into that knowing. But the fear aspect is like what ruled my body my entire life growing up and you know using chemical substances to be in avoidant behavior was my go-to and you know in the beginning it was like using certain substances actually I thought was helping me on my journey and I was meeting all these, you know, uh, God, you know, remaining anonymous is it, you know, it's never a coincidence and, you know, but it didn't stay this trippy, you know, watermelon festival, burning man type of experience because that wasn't even enough for me. It's like, I can never be okay with enough. And, and what it morphed into 
was lower power really taking over and, you know, some substances had, had come into my life and it just could completely drained me of all connection to anything outside of myself. And I was just tethered to lower power. So, you know, coming out of that and coupled with, I think, definitely spiritual experiences I've had because, you know, I have been in circles of humans where, you know, we're chanting these certain things and we're, you know, in these certain postures and I'm practicing being a human being like with all these other human beings that are doing these certain things and I'm trying to be on a a journey of of self-discovery and and picking up what I think works and maybe it doesn't work and I have to drop it and you know but mixing in this like this real lower power that had gripped me it was like I lost all that beauty and the ability to really connect with myself and the universe and and even those spiritual experiences that I did have um you know it was lost. It was, you know, I was completely broken. And in, in September of 2016 was my, you know, what I definitely believe to be another life, because I know that I have lived lives even inside of this meat suit that I'm in. And, and I didn't go looking for it. And I didn't plan it. And it happened because, because in all intensive purposes, I died sitting on the sidewalk outside early September in 2016. And there was divine intervention through a human. And, you know, I do believe, and I think for, you know, a lot of humans in my life believe that, you know, energy is channeled through humans. And so he came into, you know, my life and just completely pulled me out of it and introduced me to, you know, uh, a fellowship of humans that just like gave me the ability to, to wipe an area clean in my life. And I'm not going to say start over. I'm not going to say, you know, that it felt like a complete renewal, but it almost felt like being in the woods and it's crowded and you come into a clearing and it's just, there's an area of just grass and, and the trees are surrounding and it's like metaphorically a resting place. And that's where I found myself. And from then I've been able to unlearn to relearn a new way to live. And, you know, my, my father, my biological father, he, he passed away, um, from, you know, what I also suffer with similarly, and, and I no longer suffer from it, but I had suffered in my life. And, um, you know, I really truly believe that I knew he was going to die Christmas of 2014. Like we were together and, and I woke up and he didn't. And that very morning at, at, you know, the very hour of like, you know, it was in between 2am and 2.30, I woke up feeling like 
my dog had passed away at the time my dog was alive. And I really believed that there was a connection between my dog and my dad at the time. And, and what had happened was I went downstairs into my parents' bedroom to go see if the dog was okay. And, and there was this moment where I just touched my dad's foot and, you know, I said, I love you. And then I went back upstairs and I went to sleep and, you know, I, I woke up again and he didn't. And, and I believe that that was a huge moment in my life for sacrificing energy and that I'm now here because, you know, not just my, not just my dad, because both my grandparents have passed on and the same thing happened with my grandfather and I, um, I was living in North Carolina at the time. And he was here in this house with my mom and my grandma had passed away right in the beginning of the pandemic. And I knew he was going to pass away. And I left my job and I told him I need the weekend off. And I brought Bryce up here, my son. And it was like, boom, the next day he was gone. I had a conversation with him and I said, I love you, grandpa. And I just want to let you know that everything's okay. And you can go because I know you're tired. And it was like he went. And, and, you know, their energy has always been around me. And, you know, I'll kind of wrap it up here. But like, I, the so many experiences I've had, but probably one of the most profound, you know, um, connections I've had with my father was um, meditating prior to a meeting, I had, I, I was a key holder and I used to show up and just take some time after work, um, you know, before opening my home group and, and, you know, making the coffee and everything or whatever. But I was laying on a blanket on the gravel and it was summertime and it was beautiful. And, you know, birds were, were singing and, and I was just looking at the sky and it was so blue and, you know, I'm, I really meditate a lot with my eyes open. I know a lot of humans don't, but like, for me, I just like really go into my resting, like, you know, right here. And, you know, they say it's your third eye in between, you know, the middle of your forehead. And, and, you know, from what I couldn't see, like a butterfly had just flown right over my body, like so close and so slow that I could like feel the wind from the wings of this butterfly. And it was like, at in that moment, you know, my whole body was just, I could hear and feel my heartbeat, you know, like it brings like, you know, emotions to the surface because, you know, in that moment of just feeling so alive, you know, and I think that, I think that humans like, you know, there's that sense of like, why are we here? And, 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 you know, sometimes it's existential crisis and sometimes it's just a simple questioning, but, you know, for me, I think that there's purpose. And I think that fear and vulnerability is, you know, some of my favorite topics. And, you know, I just have spent the past seven years really unlearning to relearn so much and it's just been an amazing journey of not asking or wishing or praying or whatever, but just like 
being, being a human being, practicing being a human being inside of being a human doing and, and being present for these moments. And, and if I had documented all of them, it would be ridiculous the amount of stuff I would have. But, you know, I think that sort of is a lot of what I would say to someone if they wanted to know, you know, a few special things about me that I truly channel into, you know, my ancestors. And I know that when I stopped asking so many questions, life has just become simpler. So I think that's just where I'm going to leave it for now, because that felt like a whole lot. And, and hopefully this opens up some sort of channel. So I'm really happy. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much for sharing. I wrote down a couple of things that you said that really spoke to me. You said the soul always knows. And I love that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I recently interviewed somebody else and we were talking about knowingness and how Mm. it's different from belief. And, and I love, I love knowing that my soul knows and that my human is allowed the mystery. I'm here having a human experience and I don't, like you should just share it. I don't need to have all the answers. When, when you stop asking all the questions is when the information actually comes to you. And I think that's a really hard thing for me to wrap my human mind around because I want solution. I want answer. I need to know. I need control. Mm-hmm. But my spirit doesn't need any of those things. My spirit is just like chill and knows and has faith. And I I really love that. You also said that you had to unlearn to relearn to live a new way. And I and you said that a couple of times, the unlearning to relearn. And I'm curious, maybe let's talk a little bit about that. For people who are in a state where they feel like nothing is working for them right now. How do they get on to, how do they get into a frequency where they can start to unlearn? What were some of the things that you found really useful? So for me, it was formally breaking down habitual rituals. Because I think when I'm stuck in this emotional or even physical construct, my day-to-day is feeling tumultuous and monotonous and like this groundhog day. And I've been through situational depression and anxiety. I am definitely a human that like, you know, I advocate for, for health, mind, body, spirit. And so I understand that it isn't like, oh, it it isn't just so easy. Well, I understand that because there's, you know, every human has their own variables in the equation. But for me, you know, it was really breaking down what am I doing that isn't working? Because if I'm going to keep doing the same patterns, and I mean, even just like, what am I eating? What am I listening to? What am I drinking? Who are like the five humans I talk to the most, you know, because I'm a huge believer of you are what you eat, you are what you surround yourself. And, and there's, and and when i when i discovered this falling down the rabbit hole of the google that's what i call it um that the human has 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day and almost all of them are repetitive 
when I found that out, my brain exploded. I should have brought the source to where I actually read that, but, and I can uh, later on to put it in the notes or something. Um, It exploded because that to me is habitual ritual that I am so repetitive in nature that I'm, you know, it's constantly just recycling the same, probably bad thoughts. I mean, let's be for real. I'll talk about me, but like I can get so caught up in the negative and the negative and the negative that I'm just like a ball of energy that's negative. So I had to like literally cleanse myself of everything and not so much separate myself from the human race. But yeah, I had to go into like, I have to change everything, everything. And how that may look for you or another human is going to be very personal. But, you know, I really had to sever everything and, and start very, very small very simple and very small. So, yeah. I really like that. Are were there are there certain spiritual teachers that really resonate for you? Did you find anybody on your journey that you thought, okay, like you read their book or you heard their podcast and you were like this person has really helped me? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm probably I mean, drink the absolute Kool-Aid of Ram Dass. <laughs> like, I would drink his sweat. <laughs> um uh, Pema Trojan, uh, Eckhart Tolle, Jack Kornfield. Um, there is a platform I use, uh, which I buy and purchase audio recordings. It's called Sounds True. And you can have an app. So I think I'm pretty sure you could search it like soundstrue.com and you can have an app. And they have actually a whole community that they expanded on the app. Now you can pay a monthly subscription to have access to a lot, maybe even teachers that could help guide you like a sponsorship type of thing. But I pretty much just have the, um, you know, the free aspect of it. And I buy what I like as far as audios. But, um, you know, uh, there's also a podcast for um, another teaching that I've recently been getting into the past couple of years, Kabbalah. And for those that aren't familiar, um, it is the spiritual aspect of Judaism. So it couples with the Hebrew calendar and, you know, no, you don't have to be a practicing Jew to be into Kabbalah. Um, I think it's like anything you can, you know, be interested and fall down the rabbit hole. But, um, you know, it's been extremely eye opening and we, you know, on, on the website that I go onto, which is Kabbalah, uh, you can also have a membership on there where you have access to Zoom platform teachings, scanning of the Zohar Um, you know, in the morning I do a quick 30 minute, uh, weekly forecast on Spotify. There's a channel that I follow called spiritually hungry. It's amazing. Um, the, the founder of Kabbalah and his wife are the, uh, you know, founders of the podcast and they talk a lot about, a lot about, um, 
you know, it has a lot to do with your natal chart. And so knowing your natal chart is definitely going to be very helpful. And of course, if, you know, if you don't, there's lots of ways, but be careful, of course, obviously out there, because there's people that have misleading information, but, you know, getting a natal chart done and then really being able to understand um, and look into your, your rising and your moon and your sun and, you know, all the houses and, and planets and everything. But yeah, that's, that's probably my in a nutshell, like who I worship, <laughs> Loki. <laughs> I love that. So does astrology really speak to you? Is that one of the tools that you've utilized to assist you on the journey? Or do you use it to help you with other human relationships too? Is it something that you find resonates? Yes. So, um, and I'm going to try to put this in the most understandable terms and not be so um, using vocabulary, I understand. But like, um, what what helped me with my natal chart and astrology and, and being driven by, I've always been into the stars ever since I was a child. It was like, I was absolutely obsessed with the universe and looking at the stars. And before I even knew what constellations were, I was like, why are those stars like that? And, um, you know, so yes, the short answer is I am a firm believer. Um, it, it, it really doesn't matter to me what any other human might say, you know, maybe making fun of, you know, worshiping the stars and stuff. But yes, I think that the moon and and the sun and planets, you know, again, the soul always knows. Like there are things that I can feel and then I'll go look at my moon calendar and I'm like, oh, now I know why I feel that way. <laughs> like without even remembering what phase the moon is in, I'm like, oh, I feel something inside of me. So it's been a wealth of knowledge to understand and study my natal chart. But what I what I was going to say back to my first thought is nothing is definitively this is you 100%. Like I'm a sun sign Scorpio, Aquarius rising in my Pisces, you know, I have a moon Pisces. And as soon as I say I'm a sun sign Scorpio, everybody's like, oh, you're a, you know, B-I-T-C-H. I don't know if we can cuss on here. And I'm like, no, see, that's a stigma of like, of a sun sign, which probably happened from the newspapers only ever reporting what your sun sign is and giving you some sort of forecast on, oh, this is what your romantic relationship is going to be like this week. Like, it's so 1992. Like, we can't do that anymore, you know? But what I do love is the awareness to say, okay, right, a Scorpio is known for these characteristics, but I have to take in all of my, you know, natal chart and just common sense, which isn't always common. But, you know, like, just because I might have the tendency because I'm a human and all humans embody the ability to act upon characteristics doesn't mean I need to use them defectively or that I will automatically be in defective character. Like, you and I are very familiar with the ability to, you know, yes, I can you know, I'm in this meat suit and my thinking mind embodies the fact to be a petty B-I-T-C-H, but it doesn't mean I'm going to be just because the thought runs through my head or I'm, you know, emotional or I'm in fear, which I was listening to a YouTube video 
all morning this morning, uh, Ram Das was talking about fear and um, and emotions. And I love where he explains about the polarity of, you know, the root of fear really coming from like awareness and just acting upon it without, you know, and being in one versus the other and, and it being like paradoxical. And so, yes, I love it. I've studied my natal chart. I'm still studying my natal chart. Do I like doing others? Yes, because it's fun. And now I've, you know, learned how to actually properly do it. And it's like enthralling because it's fun to help others. But I'm not going to like do your natal chart and then like judge you because like, oh, you know, like you have Mars and Aries, like, oh, I'm automatically like, you know what I mean? We're not being friends anymore. Um, I don't do that because that's just rude. So I like to experience you organically because I would like to be experienced organically. And I think that we don't do that enough, you know? I think that's really beautiful and such a good reminder that, you know, I think some of these tools are here. Well, number one, I think to help us connect. I truly think that. I think that uh, numerology, astrology, uh, gene keys, whatever sort of realm you go into that helps you connect with other people, you know, like, oh, you're a Scorpio sun. I'm a Scorpio rising. Oh my God, maybe we'll get along, whatever it, whatever the tool is. I think that again, they're all just tools. And it is amazing to be able to authentically connect with other people. And, you know, the thing that I really love about you is that you're very brave in your authenticity. Like I shared, we're part of a spiritual community together, but it's not necessarily this aspect of spirituality that we share in that community. And, you know, like it's very brave to kind of, you have this beautiful thing where you talk about um, being stardust, kind of squeezed into this this meat suit. And I would love for you to share that. But I also, while you share that, if you will, I would love to hear about what it's like to be this authentic, uh, free-thinking version of yourself, even in spiritual communities that are based around open-mindedness, but, ne- but not necessarily this realm of spirituality. So I'd love to hear some thoughts around that. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. That's like such a deep question. Okay, so yes. Um, Betty is well aware of that, um, you know, I really, really, oh my gosh, like I am so a hundred percent driven by the fact that I am star test held together by gravity in this meat suit. And that truly it's mind boggling to think that like if gravity shifted at any point in time, it was like we would just wouldn't have enough pressure on our skin to hold us together. And just that fact alone, like I joke around that I did way too much psilocybin, but like, <laughs> but like, you know, it really is. Um, It really is just this beautiful symbiotic relationship I have with thinking mind and, and you know, consciousness, which is another thing that I've been looking into, but we're going to stay on vulnerability and the topic of like authenticity, which I forgot to mention, and I will give all credit to anything that I may say in the, for this topic will be, um, you know, my, my teacher, you know, uh, I, I just absolutely love her so much. Brene Brown. Um, has been studying shame and vulnerability in females and males, I think going on now for 
probably two decades already because, um, you know, I mean, it, it's been since the 90s. And I worship what she talks about um, in, she actually has on Sounds True, um, uh, I believe it's Rising Strong is the name of one of her um, uh, like podcasts that she does. And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how much it is, but I definitely know it's on there. And I had discovered it. Um, yeah, Rising Strong is a spiritual practice for Renee Brown. And um, I discovered it and I listened to it and I completely fell down like this amazing Alice in Wonderland, like deep hole of connecting with who I am. I, I don't even know. I had two months clean, I think. And I can't even believe that I didn't really discover that sooner. I knew about Brene Brown, but like, you know, of course, when you're doing other things, it's taking all of your time. And I got away from a lot of what I really loved. And um, so she blew my cranium. And, you know, she was talking about, and she talks about, you know, standing in the middle of the arena. And the analogy is really like when you are, whether it's day to day or whether it's a happening that's happening, you know, being in the middle and all the onlookers are outside, you know, maybe your family, maybe your friends, maybe community of humans that you're a part of, which, you know, we're a part of. And, and yes, do we, do, I think I give, I try to give humans the benefit of the doubt, especially in the community that, you know, that I'm a part of that we, that we try to live our, our best to not judge and be open-minded and be honest and be willing. Um, do I feel like that is um, felt? Yes, because I'm a, the glass is half full, but it's difficult. It's difficult. Like I am not going to sit here, even even in a place where when I first woke up this morning, I was thinking about what am I bringing to the table? What, you know, what in in the sense of anonymity and, and being equal to all other humans, like what makes my dialogue or or whatever I may say, you know, um, special enough to go on a podcast that I wasn't even really sure. I, I think I didn't even look into it because I was like, oh my God, I don't even want to know because I'm scared and freaked out and I'll start judging myself, you know, because when I live in, when I live in authenticity, it's interesting that like, you know, comparison is the thief of joy said by one of, you know, one of the most amazing Theodore Roosevelt, um, you know, humans that has ever lived, like, you know, who are you comparing yourself to though, Sarah, you know, like Galileo, I mean, which I am not, but like, you know, but I was like, wait a minute, this is exactly what you're good at, Sarah. This is exactly what you're good at talking about though, because I think what makes, a, when I hear another human talking about like actual real life stuff, and they're like talking about going through all this gyration of like being nervous and thinking about like, oh, 
you know, you know, I was talking to my friend and I was like, oh my God, my reverse ego is coming out where I just feel like the gum on the bottom of somebody else's shoe, which then I laughed and I said, I swear I've coined that phrase. And if any other human uses it, I will throw punch them. Like, um, you know, like, and then, and then I was talking to myself, even though I was talking to him, but he wasn't talking, he was just letting me go. And, and I, and he said, yeah, but you know, I think that you know, you're being a little humble because you are interesting. And I said, well, I don't really know what I'm interesting. I think I just go and I go on these tangents and I'm really like just talking out loud. And maybe it's just like, this is what other humans think about, but don't really have like the wherewithal to say it out loud because you are really worried about how you're going to seem to another. And I can tell you one thing that the physical manifestation of what that feels like in my body after you stop talking and you're like, don't worry about anyone else's body language or the energy that shifted in the room, which might be crazy to say, but I can be on a meeting with 30 people on the screen and feel their energy like shift all the way from wherever they're at, like come and swirl around me. And it's this feeling of literally being naked. You know, it's like you're naked with clothes on and how quick my mind will go to looking for validation or, or yay, or, you know, praise or some sort. And, and, and what has saved me is that really hasn't gone away. And it might seem like to, to others in my life that see me because how, how you see me, you know, you see me is not really what I'm experiencing myself. And, and I'm not any better at having that go away. What I'm better at is the latter half, not needing the validation, not needing the praise, not needing the, I identify with you. I don't even need that anymore. I've gone to a place where I just like, it wouldn't matter if everybody in the room said, I don't understand a thing you just said, Sarah. I'd be like, that's fine. I did. <laughs> like I really did. And I'm fine with it, you know, because, because how it feels, how it used to be is like, I would get a rash. I would be like hot. I would be like needing that that child inside of me. And I don't mean to go off the topic, but I think it does have a lot to do with vulnerability. And, and Ram Das was talking about it in, in the um, podcast or the episode I was listening to about how from a very young age, we, we, I, I'm going to say that I believe that we don't mean to, but society has built children to yearn from such a young age that they need a reward for behavior. And I think what that has turned into is like attention seeking and approval. Like you get good grades and you get praises, but it's like, it's, it shouldn't be about the grades and the praise. It's really just, you know, about practicing being a good, a good human being. Like my son's 10 years old. I've been in recovery since he was three. So he's pretty much grown up in the rooms. And, and what I teach him about himself 
is like, and this, and this definitely has to do with being authentic and being vulnerable and showing up for yourself, like despite what every other human is doing. Like I teach him that the number one important thing is to truly know that if he is happy with himself and that he is loving and caring and kind and tries to practice to the best of his ability, pause, pray, and proceed and respond instead of react, which is a practice, a spiritual exercise that I on a thousand times a day have to practice that I will line up to my higher self, which is truly shedding what I think that you think that I am, that I think that I need to be. And I live in knowing that what I think about myself doesn't need to match up or be compared to what I think that you're thinking that I am. And that is something I only learned and truly, truly internalized this year, turning 35, having a 10-year-old, looking at my life like, wow, you are a human and you are a parent. And I'm looking at my parents differently and I am like, I my mind just keeps getting blown on how this is just a spiritual practice. This is an exercise. This is, I wake up with the same untreated disease I've had my entire life. And maybe your disease is gambling or your disease is attention-seeking approval behavior or your disease is is you know, codependency, putting your feelings underneath everybody else's feelings for approval and affection and desire and sexual attraction. And maybe your disease is food and you're stuffing yourself and filling the void and you can't stop and obsession and compulsion. And it's like, you're not living your authentic life. And it's like, I recently quit nicotine and caffeine. I have 11 days and six months free and I have never been so free in my life. You know, I believe that showing up for myself, living my authentic life, because I know that like what controls my mood and what severs my connection to my higher self, which I believe is inside me and outside, um, will take me away from living a happy, joyous and free life. So yeah, I think that was a lot. I don't even know what I said. I left my body for a second. (laughs) I love it. Um, Wow. Yeah. You did just say so much. I have so many things that I want to say back to it, but you know, I, I really identify, sorry to like do exactly what you're like, I don't need this anymore, but I do identify. I identify with so much of what you're saying. And I think that this is part of the human condition. It's part of that unlearning to relearn. And the only way to unlearn something is to be aware. Like I have to be aware of my self-seeking, of my need for validation. And I think that exactly the way that I just felt while you were speaking, because you were in your most authentic self, sharing you know, pieces of yourself that are less than attractive, owning them and saying like, this is my journey. This is who I am. And like attracts like, which is why I wanted to have this conversation with you today and record it and post it. Because I think that 
people are so fascinated by authenticity and they think, how can that be me? Like, how can you be so brave and share about things that are like traumatizing and again, like less than attractive and just own it and just be it. And, and I, for me, the, what really helps me with that is understanding that I am stardust shoved inside of a meat suit. Who cares? Who cares? even real like it's not and it doesn't I'm not discounting the fact that we are here having this human experience but I know deep within me this deep innate knowing that this is just a game this is a dream this is temporary this is not real so I'm gonna live my life as loudly and authentically as I can to give other people permission to do the same thing and so when I hear you in a space and I hear you sharing things that I'm sure half the people do not compute what you're saying, but I speak your language. And for me, that's so important. And I know that the people who watch podcasts like this one, where they're interested in spiritual experiences and the spiritual journey, they understand your language too. And the more of us that continue to speak this language, even knowing that some people it doesn't comprehend at all, the more we can find each other and create that realm of like, more and more and more. And this paranormal becomes the normal. And, you know, like this extraordinary becomes the ordinary. And and that is what I think the whole point of all of this is. And like you just shared, the last year for you has been like this rapid sort of more realization. And I think that it's happening faster and faster for so many of us because something great is on the way. Something big is on, we're on the, we're on the brink of it. And um, yeah, I this yeah I I could listen to you forever, but for the sake of keeping this in a in a timely manner in in the scope of a podcast, I just want to thank you again so much for your willingness, your authenticity, your vulnerability, your spiritual mission. I'm so grateful to connect with you. I want to see if there's anything else that you'd like to share to feel more complete about our time together today. Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. I just want to I think tie in. Um, you brought in some anonymity for me. And I think if I left with any message, one, um, it would be that there's no one quite like you. You, whoever is listening to me, I love you. And if you're feeling not loved right now, just know that my feet are touching the earth in Virginia and I feel you and my heart's hugging your heart. And that... um. One of the most beautiful teachings I've ever learned from Ram Das is that we, and I think tying in a little bit of Pema Trojan um, with Buddhism, that we live and breathe in love and anonymity and equanimity. Because I think when you were saying that we're waking up so much faster, I think that the collective consciousness of the ones that are not are equally important. So please take away that like love is the highest vibration of the universe and hurt humans, hurt humans, but heal humans, heal humans. And the more I separate myself just because awareness is key and awareness is knowledge doesn't mean I'm better than any other human on this planet. And I think that that's my message to whoever might be listening, that I strive for having the littlest separation to even 
humans that I don't like what they're doing. Because when I take away what they're doing from their meat suit, I actually love everyone. I might not like their behavior, but I actually love everyone. So that would be my last message to all of you beautiful humans. <laughs> wow, that is so yeah, so well spoken, so well put. Thank you so much for that. It's a great reminder too that like we are all we're all love, even when it seems like we're not. Um, I love that. I love you. Thank you so much for your willingness to come on and serve our community. And that's it. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thanks.